0: Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Thomas. And we love to talk tech and all things Google. Yeah, and not only Google, we want to give you our unbiased points of views on all things tech related, from computers and phones to smart home tech. In this podcast, we hope to be able to share our passion for all our favorite things in tech with you. But we won't shy away from bringing you the unbiased truth. If we hate something, you'll be the first to know. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as social media, at the Fanboy Pod. Our website is unbiasedfanboys.com. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam, and I'm one of your hosts. The other is sitting right next to me. His name is Tommy. Or Tom, or Thomas, or one of those. Tomas. There you go. Yeah. sí, senor. So this week's episode, we got a bit of something special. We are going to go over a few things, including a new segment, which we'll start with after this intro. But the three main topics we are going to talk about today are the Asus ROG Phone 3, the OnePlus Nord, because who's not talking about it? And then we're also going to talk about Apple dropping Qualcomm and and how they are implementing their new chips. Exactly. And then, yeah, this should be a good episode because those are all... Um, good topics to talk about, the OnePlus Nord being the big one. But yeah, there's some exciting stuff happening in tech right now, so it'll be fun to get the chance to talk about it. So yeah, we can start with that new topic you talked about, that or the, or the new segment we're going to do. You want to you wanna segue into that one there? Yeah, Sam? let's segue into that. Segue into the new segue? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about beer, because we both like to drink beer while we're recording. And so each week we're going to, or each episode, we're going to talk about, one of our favorite beers and why we like it. Um, and we're going to be starting off with Adam's choice beer, and that is Blue Moon. Yeah, it's uh, it's my favorite, not going to lie. It's also my wife's favorite, so that's great. When you go to the beer run, you really only have to get one thing instead of two different ones, although she's getting into White Claws now. Mm, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of seltzer water, of anything. But hey, Blue Moon's good. I like the orange citrusy. The best ones I ever had, of course, were at the brewery in Golden, Colorado at Coors and Coors. Um, it's just an amazing beer. I like the uh, the orange appeal, if you will. Yeah, I I see what you did there, the appeal. Uh, yeah, me and my wife went out to Colorado a few months ago, and we didn't get to make it up to Coors, but I bet that would have been a lot better there. I always like it on draft, especially. Like, it, it's yeah. solid and consistent in bottles, but, like, on draft with a slice of orange in it, it's good stuff. Yeah, the the only issue that I've had is, I mean, like, sometimes in the bottles, like, not to contradict you, but I guess I'm going to, Sometimes in bottles, I could like I find some inconsistencies. Um, although this last time it was my fault because I bought the six pack, came home, and somehow forgot that it was in the back of my Jeep and just left it there for about a day and a half. It got Uh, hot as hell here in South Carolina. So then I remembered I had the beer, brought it upstairs, put it in the fridge. A couple days later, I went to have one and it was fucking gross. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, well, it it's definitely like, yeah, it's good for me. It's it's not uh too flavorful or too like harsh of a taste where you're, like you can only kind of sip it like it, but it's also not just like water. So it's yeah. it's a good in between. Yeah, it's definitely not like frat water. It's but I don't know. I'm just kind of of the opinion of if you're going to make a product, at least make it a quality product. So the fact that, you know, it didn't last, no, I'm kidding. I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm just being funny. Yeah. <laughs> huh. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my favorite beer, my wife's favorite beer. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a new beer segment. If there's any beers you guys want us to check out, let us know on social media at the Fanboy Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and the grams of Insta. Do you know what else is a quality product? Mm. The Asus RG Phone 3. God, that is a quality product. Yeah, at least on paper. Um, Let me tell you what it looks like on paper. It's got a 6.59-inch, 144-hertz HDR OLED, 1080p. It's got a Snapdragon 865 Plus, which is their, like, higher speed-binned chips. It's up to 16 gigs of RAM, up to 512 gigs of UFS 3.1 storage, a 6,000 milliamp-hour battery. Mm Mm-hmm. Some other interesting things: it has a side-mounted USB in addition to the bottom-mounted one, so you can dock it better for like desktop stuff and fans and controllers. It'll be compatible with Google Stadia. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. And it will probably be in the nine hundred to a thousand dollar price range. We're not one hundred percent sure yet. Here's the other thing about it: on that six thousand milliamp hour battery, you're also getting. Thirty watt fast charging, which is oh, I missed that. Yeah, that's huge. That's what. Yeah, that's one plus. It, it's the funny watt that you charging. missed it, yet it's on a big forty two inch screen sitting right next to you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I pulled it up on the telly while you weren't looking. Well, I guess while you weren't looking, but but they, it, but it's not IP rating rated. No, I mean that's what four dollars off the the bill, <laughs> cost of the bill. Right, right. But yeah, overall a super impressive looking phone. The the RG phone too was well-received. It's cameras are the only thing that consistently kind of got attacked for being a little less than um, up to snuff. I think it was either MKBHD or Mr. Who's boss beast, whatever they were talking about how the people buying this phone aren't buying it to take pictures. Hmm. You know, they're, they're doing, you know, typically what mobile gaming or something along those lines. And so you can get away without having a quality camera because these people are going to be playing games the majority of the pictures that they would be taking, I would be assume, I would assume are going to be like screenshots and screen recording. Yeah. So again, you can get away with that, which it's given the fact that that's really the target market and demographic or target user. Uh, the fact that they don't have a headphone jack on this phone mm-hmm. is a little bit surprising. That it was something surprising. else that they pulled out uh, in their review that really kind of like made me go, Oh, uh, you know, that doesn't really make sense because when you're a gamer, You can speak more to this than I can because I'm not really a gamer. But you want as little lag as possible, which really is true in all phases of life. But the fact that you have to go wireless, there's always going to be a little bit of lag there. Well, so one thing to note with that is that they have this little fan accessory that attaches that side-mounted USB-C that adds a pass-through for the USB-C and a headphone jack. So if you have the phone in landscape mode and you're using it with that like gaming dock, you do get a headphone jack but it is kind of a shame that you have to add that dock to do that it's not built in i mean the phone is a pretty thick and long phone anyway so i guess maybe they just ran out of room yeah that's also true and yeah it's it's an interesting phone because mobile gaming is something that i've never personally taken seriously um i've always been either console or pc gaming myself But it's clear that there's obviously a market for this um, because more and more companies, even companies like Samsung and OnePlus, they add game modes and, you know, gaming-oriented features in their phones now. Yeah, like Razer. Yeah, Razer's in phones. Um, Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even like OnePlus having like gaming modes, like clearly there is a market for that. So I guess I can't speak a lot to the market of a gaming phone specifically, but yeah, just as gaming in general, um, you know, the less latency and lag, the better. And given the hardware that they have, you know, how fast a processor is, how fast a screen is, how fast the storage is, it's kind of weird that they would make you resort to either having an extra bulky like gaming dock on it or, you know, just having to use Bluetooth headphones. But it's one of those things where, you know, Marquez commented on this with the ROG phone too that, you know, all the things that make it great at a gaming phone kind of make it great as just any phone, just a normal phone. And I would say, Going back to the cameras, that's probably one of the only things that would prevent me from getting something like this. So that leads me into my next question, which it kind of piggybacks off of a question you asked me out in the living room about a different phone, which we'll talk about a little bit later. The ROG3. What would make you buy this phone? Because we were just talking about how you aren't really too pleased with your S20 Ultra. Hmm. Yeah. So what... If money wasn't the issue, what would make you switch? Well, yeah, money clearly isn't the issue. If I'm willing to drop 1400 on a S20 Ultra, anything's cheap by that comparison. So, yeah, like... I mean, I don't know why at $1,400, for an additional $100, you could get the Motorola Razor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just like cut all the specs by like a third. Yeah. But it's folding. Hey, yeah. and you get an extra $100 to pay. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Deal. I don't know why I didn't go with that. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with that? I know, man? yeah. I call myself a tech enthusiast. Yeah, what the hell? But what could make me buy the R G Phone 3? Honestly, better cameras. No, I, yeah, I already said that, that like its cameras are a little iffy. I mean, I understand that like as its target audience being gamers, it makes sense that it doesn't have particular a particular focus on cameras. But it's just kind of a shame because yeah, like that, that, those are monster specs. I mean, it's got a faster processor, a faster screen, more RAM, more storage, a larger battery than my S20 Ultra for like $400 less. And the only thing that I think the S20 Ultra has on it is the cameras. And given that I like photography and that I take a lot of pictures, that's, I think, a deal breaker for me. So yeah, if you're the type of person that doesn't place a large priority on cameras, but you still want beefy hardware. Something like that is really hard to pass up. It's a fantastic monster of a phone. I mean, I'm not going to put myself in that market for the Asus. There is another phone that we'll talk about later that I am wishing, wishing I could get my hands on. But I don't know. I mean, it's a good phone. Like, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it's just, I agree with you. The big thing is the camera. Mm. But at the same time, like we've said, we're not really the target market here. Right. Because we are not mobile gamers. I mean, I am, yes, and I'm not just talking about words with friends. <laughs> you know, I mean, I play Madden. I did download Call of Duty. Oh, okay. Which I uninstalled in the same night. <laughs> but, you know, I've at least dabbled uh, with racing games and and Madden and other sports-related games like rugby, Australian rules football, until they took it off the Play Store, even though I bought the fucking thing. <laughs> and and cricket, believe it or not. <laughs> so I I've experimented a lot. But I still wouldn't put myself in the target market for this phone. Right. I mean, yes, it would be great to have all of that hardware with the stock Android experience in a perfect world. Yep. If Google and Asus could like get together and create a pixel edition of the ROG phone. Tell you what, you get Google mm-hmm. and I'll get Asus. <laughs> okay. And we'll just set up a blind date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. That that sounds very achievable. Yeah, it's totally. I don't know why we like no one's they both of it live in South Carolina, right? Like yes. the CEOs for those companies. Yeah, yeah. I saw him out while I was getting chips. Oh, really? From lunch. Yeah. Okay, at, cool. At Bylo, yeah. Great. Well, yeah, I bump into the ACS guy all the time at BMWs. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Yeah. He comes in there to like inspect the cars going through all the time. He buys one like every other week. Do you ever tell him about how, uh, you can program things, like I don't know, fucking I I've been dropping hints. You know, he might even like hire us on as like PR people and like programmers for this. I mean the company you work for is Polish. True. And they did send you to Poland. That's true. So maybe, you know, they might send you to uh to OnePlus to HQ. Shout out to Oppo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah, there you go. Let let's go there then. So OnePlus. The OnePlus Nord is the big thing we want to talk about today. Because it's a big deal phone. This is a phone that kind of a, a return to oneplus's roots in a way so why don't you just um start up by telling the specs and then uh we'll kind of we'll kind of go from there because what you're getting for this dollar amount is in fucking same it's pretty remarkable yeah well so let's start with the price just to give you context it'll be 400 euros which is 462 dollars and 73 American at today's exchange rates yep and for that price you get a 1080p, 90 hertz, six and a half inch screen. 90. 90 hertz. hertz. Tell yep. them that battery, shout out to the Pixel, that cannot do this. The battery is 4,115 milliamps, which is more than enough. Yeah, that's, uh, that's 1,300 more than the Pixel 4. Oof. At the same refresh rate. You're also getting a, a Snapdragon 765G. You're getting... Between 6 and 12 gigs of RAM, you're getting from 64 up to 256 gigs of storage. You're getting technically a quad camera setup. Um, it's a 48-megapixel main, an 8-megapixel ultrawide, a 2-megapixel macro, and then a 5-megapixel depth sensor, which I wouldn't really count as a camera, but whatever. You get a 32-megapixel wide selfie and an 8-megapixel ultrawide selfie. Um, you get OnePlus's standard 30-watt warp charging. There's an in-screen fingerprint reader. There's also no headphone jack for what it's worth. And yeah, all of that for the US equivalent of $462. And so for $1,000, roughly, well, it, it's come down in price. What is it, the Pixel 4, like 800 now? Probably something like that. So you have, what, a 2,800 hour battery, 90 hertz display, 6 gigs of RAM on a Pixel 4. Yeah, that's rough. It's by price more in, competi- in competition with like the 3A XL. Yeah, RIP. Or upcoming 4a xl if they ever release is it is that still upcoming because like we haven't heard shit yeah actually with the 76 765 processor that's up there with the pixel 5 what we're expecting yeah. from the pixel 5 well isn't the pixel 4a supposed to go to oh is it 755 i think so okay um i know that does it was a 700 series chip going into the pixel 5 at least rumored and so yeah i mean this is up there with the best that google has to offer and its overall specs, and it it flat out beats the Pixel 4 in the majority of its specs. So the specs on the 4A, sorry to cut you off. All right, so you're getting four gigs of RAM. You do get a headphone jack here. Do you get a fingerprint sensor on the back, whereas on the OnePlus Nord, it's on the front? Oh, it's a 730 going into the 4A. Okay. That's, again, rumored. Yeah, and it's a 3,000 milliamp hour battery. Okay. So this will solidly beat the Pixel 4A in the majority of its specs. Yeah, Other than the headphone jack, I guess, if that's a deal breaker for you. The only issue is one's available in the U.S. Well, actually, technically, uh, they're both not available true. in the U.S. True. The Nord will not be, and the Pixel 4a is not available to anyone right now because who the hell knows? And that's, I think, my biggest, like, well, I mean, I guess it's very American of me to get upset that it's not available in my country. Like, God, how dare they release something that I can't buy? But that being said the market was all theirs. I mean, the iPhone SE handles people who want an iPhone, but there's nothing else that offers that level of hardware in that price range in the U.S. right now until the 4A comes out. And they've got the 4A beat, if the rumors are accurate. Oh, it's not even close. Right. I mean, the fact that they went back to 4 gigs when budget makers are making 6 gigs. Yep. You can get up to 12 gigs in the Nord of RAM. Yeah, so if they had made this phone available in the U.S., they could have destroyed the 4A before it was even announced. We kind of had this conversation a little bit earlier, and and I will say the Pixel 1 when it came up, it kind of relied on reviewers, which is what everyone's doing now, uh, as well as commercials. But, you know, the original Pixel, had, had a commercial, but still no one bought the fucking thing, which I think is ridiculous because it was an amazing phone. Right. I mean, I bought it. But anyway, it's like you had mentioned that OnePlus one of their main ways of advertising was through Marquez and through all these reviewers. They didn't rely on commercials and all these other things because like still no one knew who the fuck they were. Right. Until T Mobile picked them up a year or two ago. Yeah, last year the OnePlus 7 was the first phone to actually be sold like in the store at a carrier, a US carrier. Right. And that was T Mobile. The fact of the matter is like still no one knows them. So to say that they would have, you know, the Pixel beat, you know, it's almost like a a race of the unknown. That's fair enough. Yeah. Well, and the Pixel is much better known now than it was back when it originally released. But I absolutely Google has more household name recognition than OnePlus. And OnePlus is definitely the type of company that you've either depending on like the circles that you're in, you've either heard all, all about them constantly or you've never heard of them. Right. That it's it's definitely not something that your average consumer just walking into like a T-Mobile store looking for a phone is going to yeah. actually, you know, know what it is. So that's fair enough. You know, it might not have fully destroyed the 4A just out of lack of name recognition. But there's no denying that on the spec sheet and what will likely turn out to be in real life performance, it would have the 4A beat for those who know about it. Well, so according to Android Central, androidcentral.com slash Google pixel hyphen five, it comes with a Snapdragon 765G, the same one that comes on same one. the number you're going to get either 6 or 8 gigs of RAM and oh. your typical 64 and 128 of storage. And I don't think there's a mention of a fingerprint sensor, but you are getting face unlock for sure. And, of course, Android 11. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's it's very similar. And, honestly, like, they're in the same ballpark price-wise. Yeah. In fact, I would even say that the, uh, the Nord is going to be cheaper. I, I'm five. almost certain it will be. I'd be shocked if the 5 was the same price. So... Given what you're getting on the Nord and given what you're getting on the Pixel 5, even the 4a, fuck it, let's throw that one in there too. How the fuck could you turn down the Nord? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really impressive because just the sheer quantity of what they're able to offer you for that price is, you know, unmatched. And you're getting reduced bloatware. Like you're going to yeah. be running Google Phone, you're going to be running Google Messages, and of course it's going to have Duo because any Android device can get that. But the fact that you're getting those instead of bloatware is awesome. Yep. And that's um that's an interesting point too, because a lot of the well, a lot of the market for pixel phones has been kind of, you know, tech savvy niche people like us who, you know, follow phones really closely and will hear about those even without ads and stuff. And OnePlus kind of caters to those same people. And a lot of the people who want a pixel phone, they want it for that clean software. And if OnePlus is offering almost equally clean software. With just a few kind of enhancements from their oxygen OS, and they're offering like double the specs almost for cheaper. I mean your average person who follows tech is it, it there's no comparison yeah i mean, and plus another thing here is you get warp charging, and that's something that the pixel devices have yet to even well i mean really, I feel like they're the only Android device out there doing something like that and so That's great. I I like that. And that, I have a friend, shout out to Max, if you ever listen. He has a OnePlus, I believe it's the 8 Pro, and he didn't really go into too much detail. He did say that the OS is, you know, it's just, it's nice and it's simple. He hasn't really had any issues with it, almost no bloatware. And one of the big things was fast charging for him. He liked that. The Nord, it is cool, but it does have a hole punch instead of a notch. And that's a big deal for you, yeah. That is a big deal for me because I hate those things. Like, I don't like things being in the way of what I'm looking at. And so I believe in developer options. You can still go in and, like, change that. Just which put a whole big do. black bar at the top, yeah. I would gladly have a forehead over a notch or a, or a hole punch any day of the week. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've talked about that before. We definitely disagree on that. Um. Well, and that, for me, it depends on the aspect ratio of the phone because... Like on my S20 Ultra, it's so tall that when I'm watching a video in landscape, there's black bars there anyway, so it doesn't really get in the way. But yeah, I can understand how people would find that annoying. Plus the lack of a headphone jack. It's definitely gone the route of like a 2019-2020 flagship in terms of some of those design design decisions. Even though I consider myself a baby um, audiophile, (laughs) (laughs) which is ridiculous to fucking say, I know, but I've been blessed in my life with... A a uh, a college teammate of mine gifted me a pair of Sennheiser headphones. Oh. And the the artist that I listened to, my favorite one of all fucking time, his name is John Bellion. Anytime you listen to his music, you can pick up a new layer of music. And and when I put those Sennheisers on, it was like I heard all of it all at once. Yeah. And it was amazing. A truly good audio experience is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, not that your average smartphone can give you that. But well, my point with that was that because I've been exposed to greatness, I won't go out and buy like a $15 pair of headphones mm. unless it sounds amazing. Right. Which when I bought my Samsung Galaxy S7, they actually came with good sounding headphones which is like surprising because you could buy them on eBay for like five bucks. Some Samsungs have done that. yeah. When I found that out I bought like four or five pairs of those little fuckers because they only lasted like three months. Okay. Because I was a cyclist and I used them a lot every day. Anyway, but like it takes a lot for me to get excited about a pair of headphones because I really want another pair of Sennheisers. I'm just a cheap ass (laughs) and quite frankly I also don't want to sleep in the doghouse. By me saying that it's kind of hypocritical that I don't need a headphone jack because I like wireless headphones because I hate wires, mm. right? But I also love good audio quality, yeah, which is hard to do on wireless. yeah. But again, a lot of tech reviewers that I see, they complain about a lack of a headphone jack when in reality, I feel like the majority of the headphones that I've seen them use are wireless. Yeah, yeah. So it almost doesn't make sense to me why think, there's a big fuss. But in some cases, I can understand it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, a phone isn't really going to be giving you a phone through headphones. Normally, is it going to be giving you the same experience? Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that you aren't getting dramatically better audio quality having a headphone jack on your average phone anyway. Some companies like LG does this a lot where they go out of their way to put a high quality DAC in their Who? phones. LG. Who's that? uh exactly (laughs) yeah they're an irrelevant phone company anymore but yeah they've gone out of their way in the past to put a high quality DAC in their headphone jack to try to give you a better experience but even then the majority of people are streaming music over Spotify or something like that where at best you're getting like a a decent bit rate for an mp3 so you're never really going to be getting a truly good audio experience out of a phone anyway so I I yeah they they have a mixer built in and like most I feel like most, I mean, Google Play had one. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Spotify has a mixer, kind yeah. of, but at the same time, like you're saying, it, it's not, it's not close. Yeah, it's, it's just not. Yeah, and I think given how good cheap wireless earbuds have gotten, I have a pair. I think I mentioned them in the last episode. Yeah, I have a pair of cheap MPOW M30s. They're like thirty bucks, and they're more than good enough for what I need. So, like, given how good cheap wireless earbuds have gotten. I think the headphone jack is almost a non-issue at this point. Like, it just, it's, it's gone. It's something that, you know, our kids will look back and say, you used to have to plug your headphones in? What? What the fuck? You have, you used to have to blow on your games to get them to I work. I know, right? That's even a little bit before our generation. No. Well, maybe back in, like, the GameCube days or something. No. But like, I'm going straight back to the Christmas of 96 when my mama got us a Nintendo 64. Oh, you had one of them? Yeah, we had a Nintendo 64. Yeah, uh, PS One was our first console, and then a GameCube after that. No, PS Two, oh, PS Two, and then a GameCube. Well, you were kind of sheltered. True. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get a game console until I was like probably twelve. Am I gonna have to edit that out? Nah. Oh, okay. No. Nah. Harry Potter? What? No, yeah. Kidding. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I think that uh, the headphone jack is pretty much a non-issue, and especially given how much just just how much else you're getting with this phone, it, it's hard to complain about something that small. Well, my wife finds a way to complain about small things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that the Nord is an amazing value and if if I could find someone overseas to buy it and mail it to me, son, what I would not give. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in Poland for a work trip, I'll I'll snag one. You come home with like Three of those, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's probably like a customs limit on like bringing stuff over, but I I could probably grab a couple. Just mail it over. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I could also do that. You know, just just mail one over. You could honestly, because you can't get to me in the US, you probably price gouge that thing too. We'll uh, so get one to sell to make our money back. Make a business out of it. Ah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? See? I, see, I like what you're thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When are you going to Poland again? I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to figure that out. Talking about the OnePlus Nord, I feel like it's hard to... You know, really appreciate what this phone means if you don't understand the history of OnePlus either. Yeah, because this is a return to the roots for OnePlus. So, to get an idea of what the roots for OnePlus is, we can go all the way back to 2014 when they released their first phone. Um, it was the OnePlus One. Uh, so the two. It was a three hundred dollar phone, two ninety nine. It was it it headlined with the um, their slogan "Never settle," and it quickly earned the name the flagship killer because I mean- this was a phone that offered. Comparable specs to phones of its time for under half the price. Yeah, like literally just, it almost seemed like they went to like Samsung or Apple's rubbish bin Mm. and just started grabbing things. Right. Yeah. It was the, at the time, the Snapdragon 801, three gigs of RAM, a five and a half inch 1080p screen, and between 16 and 64 gigs of storage, which sounds very terrible by today's standards. But for 2014, that was up there with um, the the best of them, and yeah, for two ninety nine, it was it quickly earned a name for itself. But one thing that I am more impressed with is you pointed this out earlier. The One Plus Two, in July of twenty fifteen, that fucker had four gigs of RAM. When the Pixel One, Two, and Three, and I think the Three A and Three AXL, they all had four gigs of RAM. Yep, and that was in 2016, 17, and in eighteen. Yeah. And so Pixel 4 had six gigs, but it really, they just are not a fan of upgrading their RAM. That's one of those things that it again reminds you of how behind the times the Pixel hardware was when, yeah, a phone that came out in 2015 for $329 had as much RAM as the Pixel 3 that came out in uh, what, 2018? Yes. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And OnePlus carried this whole standard for a long time of being the flagship killer, right you know they kept up with the hardware every year they had the the top of the line chip they had a surprisingly large amount of RAM and storage. They continued on to add stuff like fingerprint readers and better cameras. Once the pixel came out, they followed that train of better cameras, um, adding dual cameras, triple cameras. but each year that price crept up, and they went from being a three hundred dollar phone. To starting to release $500 phones, $600 phones, $700 phones. And by the time we hit last year, 2019, with the OnePlus 7 and 7T Pro, or the 7T, 7T Pro, the 7T was $600 and the 7T Pro was $830. I mean, they didn't crack over $800 until October of last year. Yeah, yeah, this so is true. There is that. But they're like the most expensive phone before the $830 7T Pro. Was the Seven Pro that came out in May at six sixty nine? Yep, three away from an amazing number. But no, the the Seven T Pro came out in October and was roughly two hundred to one hundred seventy dollars more expensive at eight hundred and thirty dollars. Yep, putting their record, which now has been extended eight hundred and ninety nine for the One Plus Eight Pro that came out in April. The Eight Pro came out earlier this year and. that's where, you know, OnePlus had gone from this company that was known as being a flagship killer to being a company that just made flagships. Mm-hmm. And they, they're now making phones. Like the OnePlus 8 Pro is a phone that competes with the S20 Ultra in pretty much every spec. It's a 120 hertz screen. It's got similar storage and RAM configurations. It's got good cameras. It's got good battery, fast charging, you know, all the stuff that you would expect out of, you know, a top-tier phone, but it costs like a top tier phone. And so a lot of people complained about that, and a lot of people really started to get angry with Oneplus because you know their roots were in these flagship killer phones that were able to offer you a lot more than you were expecting for the price that you were paying. Well, here's essentially what happened, historically speaking. Mm. Like, the facts are there. Oneplus comes out in 2014 and is known almost automatically as the smartphone, or the uh, I'm sorry, the flagship killer. And it took a little while for the shit to catch on, but eventually it does. And you see, you know, Google come out with the three A, you see Apple come out with the SE. These are all in what, 2017, 2018. And so OnePlus in 2018, you know, their prices were maxing out at five hundred and fifty dollars, which is amazing for the for what you're getting. Sure. And around that same time, you have Apple coming out with the S E, you have Google coming out with the three A's. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of amazing to me that they started this trend and they said, "Oh no, we've we've reached the pinnacle. We can go ahead and charge flagship prices." And at the same time, they decide to come out with these flagship prices. More and more flag flagship manufacturers are picking up that there is actually a market for these budget flagship killers. Yeah, so they start coming out with their own, and then now here comes OnePlus with. I wouldn't say their tail between their legs, but they're like, oh yeah, let's get back to this. right? Let's yeah. service this. This is our history. This is where we were, yeah. who we are. So it's nice to see them going back to that, I will say. I absolutely agree, yeah. And I will say, I had, so when, when I first read the specs for the Nord and when I first was kind of hearing about it, I was a little bit disappointed with it because it wasn't a full return to like their, their origins in the sense that it's still a $460 phone. Like, this isn't, you know, a budget phone. It's still expensive, depending on the market that you're looking in. Um, and they completely changed up their name scheme, which, and they were kind of hyping this up to be this fundamental, you know, shifting of their, their design philosophy or their, their approach to phones. Like, I was expecting something a bit more different, and what they ended up giving was um, a phone that was essentially a, a slightly cheaper version of the OnePlus 8. But when you add all that together and I kind of zoomed back out and looked at the bigger picture of what they were offering, it's clear that this is that kind of return to their origins, just not quite to the, to the budget level that they had before. I mean, I don't know. I feel like $400, 460 is still considered a, a, a budget option. Yeah. And that might just be the entire tech industry is kind of inflating and what's considered a budget phone now is a lot different than what was back then. Plus, back in 2014, people didn't use their phones as like their primary compute, computing devices. Whereas now, more and more, that's a thing where, you know, a lot of people don't have laptops or they, they have old laptops they had for college and they don't really use them anymore. Their phone is literally their their life. So given all of that and given how much more central phones have gotten, you know, it, it really is like when you zoom out, a uh, a return to that. And what the the 3 i mean the the iPhone SE is 400 right is it 350 400 so the price according to sprint is free yeah. with a contract oh from three. apple it's 400 yeah apple is yeah apple's at 400 okay so if the iPhone SE is 400 and that's the cheapest you can get from apple I would expect the 4A would align itself with that. The 3A is probably like 300 or 350 now, right? But it's like a year. I old. mean, the 4A was originally going to be 350. Okay. On that build oh yeah, right yeah, yeah. That's right. So it is coming in a tad more expensive. Again, it's not really fair to compare it to these, given that it won't be available in the U.S. But again, that's a very American-centric viewpoint for me. Well, to, to be fair, I believe it. One of the reviewers I watched today, they did say that. There are going to be other phones like this from OnePlus available in the U.S., just not the Nord. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this may also be just them trying to build out a new brand to create recognition for in other markets. True. They'll be targeting America with something different. But yeah, for what it is, it's an incredible deal. I hope that they do continue this line. That they don't just make this a one-off or something that um they can just continue on with their flagships because as much as I like the flagships, that's not where the majority of people are wanting to spend their money. So yep. it's cool to see them finally going back to that, and I hope that they continue it moving forward. Well, speaking of Apple, you know that brand that uh, we love to shit all over. They're doing something that is a lot of people might consider it ballsy. A lot of people might consider it innovative. But essentially, they are making their own chips. They're not the only ones doing it, but they're basically telling Qualcomm to get the fuck out. Or not Qualcomm, but Intel. Well, both. So they've been making their own chips in their phones for years. Um, and when we were talking about the uh, WWDC in the last, uh, or the last episode, two episodes ago, uh, yeah, when we were talking about the WWDC, we were talking about how they're um, going to be introducing their own chips for their desktop computers and for their laptops. And over the next two years, they're going to be phasing out all of the Intel chips in their laptops. And there was something that this isn't like a, a new piece of news that they've come out with or something. This is just kind of a revelation that I've had after watching a bit more media on it. It was in particular an LTT video I was watching that, that kind of ma- made this click for me. But I wanted to add this kind of comment to give a little bit more insight into what Apple has been doing to prepare for these new chips. So... For years, if you've been following MacBooks, you'll know that at least the last couple generations have struggled a lot with their thermal performance. The Intel chips in them have consistently overheated and had to the thermal throttle. And so, from a performance perspective, you weren't getting the full capability of that chip because if you did actually reach its max load, it would have to throttle itself back down to, to keep the temperature under control. And my personal assumption, I think a lot of people's assumptions initially, were that that was just Apple prioritizing the form factor of the device and like the noise that the device made over its performance. Well, you mean like they did with the iPhone batteries, right? I mean they're they're prioritizing offering you know a, a thin and light device, um, and in the case of a computer, you know having really low fan noise so it doesn't get obnoxiously loud over having the actual full blown performance of their chips. However, it's possible, especially given this announcement with of their new chips coming that there might have been a bit more intentional um, of a purpose behind this. And what I mean by that is that there's been some, some people have done some kind of extrapolating of the iPad Pro's processor to try to guess at what the first-gen processors for like the MacBook Air and stuff will look like. And um, estimates have shown that we can expect probably something like a 16-watt TDP, which is a thermal design power, the, uh, essentially the estimated heat output of the CPU. So that's the kind of expected heat output of the processor. And we can expect roughly 16 watts of heat to be put out by this processor. Interestingly, 16 watts is exactly the calculated cooling capacity of their newer MacBook Air, the most recent one that came out, which lends credence to the idea that they've been intentionally building their hardware for their new chips and then just throwing in Intel chips so that they can sell them before the new ones are ready, which there's two things that this would mean. First, it would mean that, well, what I just said, Apple's already been building their hardware in anticipation of their new chips, um, which means that they should already have stuff like cooling, which we've already seen is pretty much on, on point for that, and things like power management nailed down for their new chips. And so as soon as the software is ready, they can just swap these new chips in and ship the exact same MacBook with a new processor. So the first reason that they could have been doing this is just uh, you know efficiency. So they can just make that swap as soon as possible with as little consequences as possible. Don't they also want to be able to like justify it and kind of say, look, let's not get intel because they were providing garbage. Right. That's the more maybe intentionally insidious reason behind all this is that they were kind of killing two birds with one stone here where they were able to knock out their preliminary hardware design by going ahead and building their hardware but also kind of artificially exaggerate the problems that Intel chips have. Because it's not that it's impossible to make a thin and light Intel machine that is really powerful and also doesn't thermal throttle. A lot of Windows companies have done that, or Windows manufacturers have done that. Like Razer, for example, they um, they make gaming hardware, and they're able to make computers that match MacBooks for build quality, for size and dimensions, and for fit finish they're able to put in you know high clocked chips with gaming grade graphics cards and high refresh rate screens and you know very high spec components into similarly you know shaped devices and have no thermal throttling have no thermal issues so it's very possible to have this type of form factor in this type of machine with an Intel chip and not have these performance issues so it makes it even more likely then that Apple actually, like you said, was intentionally doing this to exaggerate Intel's problems and make it seem like this massive improvement that you're going to see in this next um, generation of computer is purely from their chip, when that's not true. It's half from their chip, because I'm sure they'll achieve some level of optimization from that. But it's also half from the fact that they've been shooting their own computers in their foot by intentionally thermally throttling the Intel chips to make them look like they're performing worse than they actually are. Which that explains like some of the frustration that I would have at my last job because I had a 2019 MacBook Pro. And yes, it could run almost four or five Adobe CC apps, you know, Premiere, Illustrator, InDesign, Photoshop, Acrobat, all at the same time. But it, really didn't do it that well it did it better than my 2016 lenovo yoga sure but it still kind of it would freeze sometimes and and premiere just well i mean i feel like premiere crashing is just an adobe that's just adobe yeah which i would love to get away from adobe products but they just make it so damn hard yep but yeah exactly like they've created these machines for the past year or two that uh have really good performance, you know, on paper and, you know, they have these top tier Intel chips like in their MacBook Pros and they have more power efficient versions in their MacBook Airs and they've been keeping up on the spec sheet with every other Windows computer in terms of actual components, but they've basically just been, you know, riding on their own optimization to make them still compatible or I mean competitive because they've been shooting themselves in the foot thermally. And they've been intentionally shooting themselves in the, fit, in the foot uh, thermally, it seems like. So yeah, I think that that's, that's, of course, speculation. Of course, Apple would never tell you that they did that, even if they did do it. But Until there's, they settle for the battery thing for the phones. Oh, wait, they did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unless someone sues it for it, we're never going to get that information out of them. But <laughs> I think that there's too many coincidences here for that not to be considered as a possibility. You know, the fact that the MacBook Air thermal capability exactly matches anticipated thermal outputs for their new chips, but dramatically you know, undercuts the thermal output for Intel chip. You know, it's clear that they're not designing their computers to the level that they could. They could have made these computers fully utilize Intel's performance, but that would have made the jump to their own chips look less impressive. And so rather than kind of splitting their hardware and having One version that continues with Intel chips and one, you know, off branch that is starting to be designed for their new chips. They just took all of their devices down the road to their new chips and Intel had to pay the price for that, which is, it's just, I mean, it's, it's an Apple move. Um, It's a bold move by them to intentionally make their products inferior. You know, that could have really backfired on them if their products had been super bad or just unusable thermally but it seems like they kept it close enough that people weren't, you know, not willing to buy the computers over it. And now that they're finally making the switch to their own chips, it'll make their their chips look all the better by comparison. I mean, Apple is a lot of people will say an innovator. I mean, I guess the last thing they really were innovative about was removing the headphone jack. Sure. I mean, yes, they were the first ones to have Siri. Yeah. And which I think I want to say they actually purchased and then they made it their own. I don't, have a, I don't have a source for that, so I'll fact check that one here in a minute. But regardless, they're, they're typically known for pushing limits, mm. whether it's with the $700 wheels, whether it's to, with the removal of the headphone jack. And in some cases, they are a trendsetter, like we've talked about. Yep. And so, but at the same time, they're not the only ones making their own chips, right? Google is also doing that. For the Pixel devices, with some of their like tertiary stuff for like their cameras and stuff, yeah, right. But but they're doing yeah and, right. and so you know, it, it, it's interesting to see where this will go. Yeah, kind of like how OnePlus was really the innovator behind budget phones, mm-hmm. or at least the first one to really get known here in the U.S. At least, Apple is kind of doing that with these chips because it's a very much a copycat world. When someone does something and they can actually have success doing it, and regardless of what Apple does, they're gonna have su- they're gonna have success. Yeah, almost regardless. I mean, name the last Apple thing that failed. Oh, geez. Um, I feel like I had an example for this. One thousand dollar monitor stand. Uh, maps. <laughs> oh yeah, Apple Maps. Yeah, there yeah. we go. We'll save that one. Yeah. But no, essentially, almost everything that they do, they do really well. Almost everything. Yeah. So it's it's very rare for them to fail. Yeah. And so, you know, I would say based off of like past trends, I could easily see other manufacturers either making that move or at least switching uh providers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is um uh yeah, two comments on that. One, yeah, I Just as a side note, I don't want this to detract from the significance of Apple's move to their own chips. It's still a huge move. It's an unprecedented move for this level of a computational company. So it's still a big deal and they're going to be good chips. uh, This doesn't invalidate that decision. It's just, it kind of sucks for people that bought Macs in the past year or two that you had to deal with Apple's experimentation there. The second note is that that's a good one, is that this is going to change up how other computer makers approach devices and Intel has to be careful here because they've been for people who follow PC gaming Intel has been losing a lot of ground recently to AMD Mm -hmm. AMD used to be really big in gaming, but recently with the Ryzen processors, they've been making a huge comeback. Um, and for the majority of gamers, you know, outside of the top tier overclocking enthusiasts, the AMD Ryzen processors are much better value. and will give you much better day to day performance. And new laptops are showing that too. Ryzen processors and laptops and some new gaming devices are just hands down destroying Intel. Yeah. And so Intel's losing ground on the gaming enthusiast sector, the entire gaming sector. They're now losing Apple as a customer. They really have to figure something out here moving forward. But that's, you know, not even just Intel. The entire computing industry has to figure something out moving forward. We've seen Microsoft experiment with custom Surface Edition chips with AMD and like their new um, Surface Laptop 3. But yeah, this this is a really interesting time for computers and for processors. It's a big deal. So this move by Apple is a big one. It's an unprecedented one. It's probably going to be a good one, but only time will tell. I just think that it was really interesting that they've been willing to intentionally shoot themselves in the foot to make that transition a bit smoother and a bit more dramatic. I, I can't disagree with you. And to fact check who owns Siri first or that Apple at least bought them. I did travel over to their Wiki page, which I know it's, it's Wiki. But according to Wikipedia, they, are, they were purchased by Apple in March or April of February 2010. And interestingly enough, they have a screenshot of Siri. And I like this screenshot. For a number of reasons, because the main one being on this screenshot, it's asking the user is asking Siri, when when is the Seahawks next game? First off, go Hawks. Whoever submitted that picture, fucking go Hawks. So it has a picture of us in our schedule and we are playing the Titans in a game that I almost went to. So the Titans won that game. I just looked it up. September 24th, 2017, uh, 33-27. Titan, you know why we lost that game? Was that because I didn't go? You didn't go, damn! Yeah. If you've been there, so we've talked about the phones. We've talked about Apple creating their own chips. Why don't we go ahead and kind of do a little bit of a conclusion and a wrap up? Well, and with how much uh, shit we've given to the Pixel Four, even just in this episode, Pixel Four, Pixel Four A, Pixel Five, like already destroyed his phones by something like the OnePlus Nord. You no, know, mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fucking Google snob. Fucking big one. But I've I can also like admit where they're not doing something that's the best. You know, I mean and the at the end of the day, part of the reason why we call ourselves the unbiased fanboys is because we want to give our unbiased take, but at the same time, someone is always doing something better than someone else. That's what it boils down to. Google is not always going to be the best at everything. It's impossible. Because they are a jack of all trades. Whereas Amazon is really a specialist. Apple is almost, I would kind of put them under the same category, whereas Google is like a jack of all trades. So Amazon is really, really good at shopping. That's why they have these Echoes and everything like that, to help cater that for you. And then Apple is just really good at making phones and computers, ones that a lot of people in the US love, but globally, they only have about 30% of the market share because they're too damn expensive. But anyway, it's just you know, that, that's what it is. Someone's always going to be doing something better. And to be honest, a lot of times that's also subjective. Part of the reason I love Google more is because, you know, the G Suite, it's so much more intuitive for me and it just flows with everything that I do, especially because I use Android devices. But I also don't think that if I was using Apple exclusive devices, that I would be using, you know, uh, Dropbox or even iCloud or anything like that. I probably would still be using the G Suite just because of the interface, the intuitiveness of it. we kind of rambling on. But what do you say? You want to wrap this one up? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's been good to get to talk about the OnePlus Nord. It's a big deal. It's a big phone. Going back into a bit of a dive into OnePlus's history has also been awesome because it's interesting to see them come up. They've have such a unique backstory as a company. And yeah, also being able to, you know, rant a bit about Apple, you know, let off a bit of steam there and uh <laughs> and then talk about the amazing specs of the ROG Phone 3. Yeah, it's been a I think a good all-rounder episode. Anyway, guys, that's our episode for this week. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, leave a review, and um and find us on social media at the Fanboy Pod, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can even find our website unbiasedfanboys.com. And uh let us know what you think. We want feedback. We want to hear from you. What do you want to see more? What do you like about the show? How bad is Tom? I know, I know he's terrible. no, I'm kidding. You got any last words, Tommy? Um, no, I don't think so. Whoever is listening from Ireland, it's <laughs> it's nice to, to see you there. Yeah. You know, let us know a beer recommendation. I'm sure you've got some good stuff. Over we there. do know of one Canadian. That Oh, did yeah. you confirm it with her? I did not. Okay. No. But Canada is making up a significant amount of our listens. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so many. And we think we know who it is. Mm. So shout out to you, Gabby. Yeah. But anyway that's our episode for today guys thanks for listening and uh, as always have a good day adios amigos remember you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as online at unbiasedfanboys.com and on social media at the fanboy pod and feel free to let us know your thoughts about the topic or our podcast we'd love to hear from you so drop us a message on social media or on our website don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform Have a good day. Adios, amigos.